Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. With us on this episode is Malia McRae, the CEO and founder of Crux KC. Malia is the co-chair of the 2023 Go Red for Women Luncheon coming up in May, and she's here to talk with us about the importance of that event in both raising awareness and funds to help in heart disease and stroke in women. She'll also be sharing some insights into her own entrepreneurial journey and how she's continued to grow her marketing firm. Welcome, Malia. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here. First, thank you for your leadership, for stepping forward to host Go Red. That is a huge luncheon. It's, well, it's national. I don't know if everybody knows that. It's not just particular to Kansas City, but it's national. But I do think Kansas City is one of the largest events in the country, isn't it? It is. They have a huge following here. Supported by the women of Circle of Red, and it's really grown and evolved over the years, and and I was really proud to be a part of it this year. I was honored to be asked. And it is a big undertaking, you're right. It is a huge undertaking, but it's, again, a very important cause. Tell us about the prevalence of heart disease and stroke in women, and interestingly, and fortunately, interestingly, it's often much more fatal in women, too. It is. Yeah. So what I didn't know until a few years ago was that cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. It claims more women's lives than all forms of cancer combined. Think about that. All forms, yeah. All all forms. forms. All forms. I was at one of their lunches probably, it was the Go Red luncheon, probably 10 years ago. Table of 10 women. There were um, stickers on the plates of three women at every table, and they asked those three women to stand. And they said, you three will have heart disease or a stroke. Really bringing it home. Three out of every 10, one out of every three, right, essentially. So, yeah, that really brought it home for me. And I will say that that prompted me to go get a heart scan Mm -hmm. done. You can easily do that. The cost is minimal. Um, And you can get your baseline checked. And then when I was at the breakfast in red a year ago, a dear friend of mine stood up and told her story. And um, she's a very accomplished uh, female leader in our community. And she had the same experience at one of those lunches and went in and had a baseline heart scan done and found out that she did have heart disease. Mm. And she was going down that path towards having a stroke. You know, I got a little teary hearing her story and I thought, okay. I need to be a part of this because it is preventable. If we can educate more women, if we can build more awareness around this, know your numbers, go in and get checked, get that pre-screen done, live a healthier lifestyle, exercise more. Right. We all say it, right? We all say that we're going to do that, especially in January every year. Yeah, and from what I've read, it's really minimal. I mean, even walking. Even walking 30 minutes a day. Exactly. Yeah. It could be as simple as that, cutting out the bad things in our diet. Sure, everything in moderation. (laughs) We all like our glass of wine from time to time. Yes, I think wine can be heart healthy. (laughs) I've I've seen those studies. I've seen those studies. (laughs) I think I look for those studies. But again, it's it's in moderation. But yeah, know your numbers, know your blood pressure, right? Go get your annual physicals, things like that. So yeah, it's it's really wonderful to be affiliated with an organization like the American Heart Association. Tell us about this year's luncheon. I mentioned that it's in May. Give us more details on that and what attendees can expect when they come to that luncheon. 
Well, it is fun. You can expect fun. A lot of women. It's a lot be fun. of women in red. Okay, yes. so definitely don your best red. It's on May 19th, 10 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., the Overland Park Convention Center. There's a buzz to it. When you walk in, you'll hear the buzz immediately. It's wonderful networking, camaraderie, personality auctions, these purse packages. That, those are fun. Oh, my I, gosh. I have attended the luncheon in the past. Yes. And, and those, that purse auction is a lot of fun. Yes. But no, it's, it's great silent auction for the purse packages. And women get really creative. I'm doing a really fun one this year that it's a Tory Burch bag, a Tory Burch scarf, and then three hours of a wardrobe consultant's time. That will be fun. It's fun, unique packages like that. And there are a lot of them. There aren't just a few. There aren't like no. three or four. Hundreds. Uh, there's hundreds. Yeah. Yes. So lots to choose from there. Where do you still need help? For anyone who's listening that thinks, you know what? This is something. This hits close to home. I want to get involved. Where can you use help right now? Or just when will tickets be available? Well, tickets are available now. Also, you know, women can still become in a member of the Circle of Red organization. It is an elite giving society made up of passionate, like-minded women with a personal investment in the fight against heart disease and stroke. And we do monthly networking events. So it's a great group to be a part of. You can buy tickets. You can sponsor a table. We're really kind of winding that down over the next few months. Or you can even donate a purse package of your own and just come to the event and attend it and see the see the excitement that's in the air and be a part of it. Yeah, at the very least, if you're not familiar with this, just buy a ticket. Malia, you are not new to major events. <laughs> First time I met you, you were the chief marketing officer for the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce. And we all know some of the events, huge events that the chamber puts on, including the Mr. K Award every year for yeah. the top 10 small businesses. How did that experience segue into your current business ownership? I mean, what was it that made you take that leap into entrepreneurship? Was it something that kind of gradually built up or was it something much more impulsive? It was a slow burn. I'll put mm. it that way. It's something that had been percolating in my brain for a while. I really credit my experience at the chamber to the network that I was able to build in Kansas City, which really probably boosted my confidence, the power of the network, right? Oh, yes. And Kansas City is great for networking. Kansas City is great for networking. I honestly felt like I got a PhD in networking while I was at the chamber. Um, you mentioned events. There were probably 300 events per year for mm -hmm. 365 days, right, of the year. Um, so I did feel like I got a PhD in networking, but wow, did my network catapult during my tenure at the chamber. I had the pleasure of meeting with CEOs, business leaders from all walks of life. And because I was in marketing, they would lament to me their marketing woes. And they always had the same two complaints. Either they had hired a traditional ad agency mm -hmm. that gave them a lot of creative fluff, it's pretty but they couldn't really use it sure. to drive their business goals. It didn't align. Or they hired that senior level marketer and maybe got an individual that didn't have that capability of building a strategy for the team. They were a great right. doer. Absolutely. Yes. They could implement something yes. somebody else had already put together. Right. Yep. So this started to just, you know, germinate in my brain when one particular business leader said to me, you know, I want to hire you as a fractional CMO for three months. You don't want to work here because we're a bunch of engineers and you'd be bored. <laughs> but could we hire you and you could assess the team, you could build the strategy, you could put our plan in place and send us on our merry way, and then we'll get you the next gig and the next gig. Back to the network of Kansas mm -hmm. City and the power of that network. And I think that really spoke to me and I thought, huh, 
could I do this? Could I be a fractional CMO? At the same time, there was a local wonderful ad agency that had been courting me to come stand up a new division for them, focusing more on professional services firms. And that really spoke to my entrepreneurial spirit. So I made that leap. Wonderful agency, but it was the square peg round hole syndrome. Mm -hmm. I was always the client, right? So I thought like the client. I didn't think like the agency. And we just never got an alignment in terms of, of, you know, even when we landed a client, what was that onboarding process like, right? Mm -hmm. What was that research process like? Like, I just thought differently. So it did spur me to write a business plan for Crux. And I socialized it with my network. A lot of the mentors that were chamber board members that I had built strong relationships with over the years. And I said, okay, I have never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. Poke holes in it. What am I missing? Do you think this would fly in a market like Kansas City? And I got, wow, this is impressive. This is highly interesting. This is really a a differentiator in the ad agency space. And that really launched the concept for me um, behind becoming the unagency. Yes. I was going to ask you to describe that because I've seen Crux described in that way. What do you mean by the unagency? I really consider us a hybrid of your in-house FTEs meets the creative traditional ad agency, where we position ourselves as an in-house team outsourced. Many of our clients will list our client chief marketing officers on their organizational charts. Ah. So these are companies that that maybe don't need a Mm full-time CMO, but they certainly need the brain trust of a CMO to build that strategy. We have clients that have 70-person marketing teams, and we come in and we do their research. We do their messaging. We do the SEO, SEM work. We build their website for them. Again, skill sets they don't have in-house. It's been wonderful just to wrap our arms around these marketing teams and make them stronger, deepen that bench. I think the most uh, visible new client of late has been Charlie Hustle, and they mm, have a congratulations wonderful... Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Chase McAnulty is just an amazing leader. I, I got to know him through the chamber, mm-hmm. through the top 10 celebration, sure. the year that they won the Mr. K Award. Which, by the way, you have now... Crux KC has also been nominated and participated in the chamber's top 10 as well. Twice now. Has it been twice now? Twice. How did that feel? to have that turnabout. Yeah, that was a surreal kind of Mm -hmm. full circle moment for me. While I was at the chamber, that was my favorite award. Just elevating the brands of these amazing business leaders, entrepreneurs in Kansas City that have built these businesses. And I loved hearing those stories. So that would be my favorite event of the year. And then to come full circle to being on that stage, you know, I would listen to these entrepreneurs up there telling their stories, just being fascinated by them. And then I am one of them. Um, So yeah, that was that was a really special moment for me the first year. The second year, I had a little bit probably more confidence after going through it uh, the year before. And we're going to, I think we're going to try it one more here this year. See how we do. Why not? You've grown. We have grown. You have grown so (laughs) rapidly. What, you're up to about 40 employees now? We have close to 50. What do you think has been your secret sauce to that growth? Many, many things, quite frankly. I, I consider myself the chief collector of talent. I'm a good salesperson, Kelly, so I can sell somebody on being part of this journey at Crux that we refer to affectionately as a red Ferrari. We are flying fast. We are driving fast. It takes a special kind of person that wants to be a part of that kind of growth, and and we have been very successful at collecting those individuals to be part of this team. But, you know, attracting the talent of an Ethan Whitehill for example, Mm -hmm. right? Who had a very successful agency to West. Um, And then his, his agency was acquired and he went to work for the acquisition company. And then that 
agency was acquired and he went to work for that acquisition company agency. So um, he joined me almost two years ago in the role of president and chief creative officer. And so he has elevated our creative team. I mean, next level. I would I would put ours up against anyone in Kansas City now because of Ethan. And then Leanne Hodson joined the team roughly nine months ago as our chief client experience officer. So really focusing on making sure that we're staying the unagency as we grow. Mm -hmm. And it means that personal touch. It means that we are that extension of their team. It means that they can pick up the phone and call us at any time. And what validation of the relationship building that you do to have clients, as you say, often put whoever their contact is at on your team as their CMO on their website as part of their team. I mean, that's extremely validating. Absolutely. Nothing, nothing makes me happier. Two things, that and when an employee says to me, I found my place, I found my people. Mm. I always have goosebumps when a new employee says that. We've done a lot of work, Kelly, over the last three years on culture and values and making sure that we're hiring to those values, but more importantly, making sure that we're bringing clients on according to those values, too. The clients have to be a good value fit. Yeah, that's very important, especially for, well, you've been at it now for a while, but a lot of companies, when they're first starting up, anybody who knocks on their door or sends them an email, you're my client. No. <laughs> so You're desperate for business at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> so to be able to make sure that your clients fit your culture, too, is, mm-hmm. is incredibly important and not something that all businesses consider. You know, one of the things I find interesting, too, that I'd like you to talk a little bit about is a couple of years ago, you started an accelerator for small businesses. Yes. Why did you do that? And how is it helping you to expand on the Crux Casey brand? I launched Crux in 2016. In 2019, Rick Colley, who's on my board of advisors, formerly with Lockton, became a bit of an angel investor himself in Kansas City. And both Rick and I were really tied into that entrepreneurial ecosystem. Part of that started with me at the chamber when Mm -hmm. they launched the Big Five initiatives. Making Kansas City America's most entrepreneurial city was one of those initiatives. So I kind of fell headfirst into that one, just a passion around entrepreneurship. And Rick did as well. And so... Crux was landing a lot of startup clients just because I had broad networks in those communities. And we would get to month six or seven of the engagement and they would be out of money. So you've Mm -hmm. got a founder that's probably more technical, right? Yes. Maybe more IT focused, building tech SaaS based, you know, companies. And they're, they're tinkering with the product. They're engineering mindsets, right? And they don't understand the importance of building and developing that pipeline just to self-sustain because you go through that angel investment money really fast, right? So these were great founders, great business concepts, and they were either, you know, desperately looking for that next funding source or having to fold after we had just invested all yeah. of this time and attention but in building a brand. But it's such a common story. Yes. It, well, 80% of, of startups fail yeah. by year two, right? Yeah. We know those statistics. So Rick being um, an, you know, a sales expert in his entire career and me really morphing from marketing to sales in my role as CEO of Crux, decided, okay, we have got to help them fix this problem. So we started Crux Accelerate. It's a sister company to Crux, and it was okay. focused on helping these founders build their pipeline. So it was bench strength on the sales side. And launching in 2019, we took this concept to many of our Crux clients. Mm -hmm. We made money, (laughs) made a profit that year without really even trying because we had a built-in customer base. Yes. Well, then we all know what happened in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. And sales just froze. Yes. So we really took a hiatus for about a year. And then we came back and decided, okay, 
again, I, I think one of the many reasons Crux has grown the way we've grown is we listen to our clients and what mm-hmm. they need, and then we add that skill set in-house. Yeah. We do the same thing on the Crux Accelerate side. We went out on a listening tour. What do the clients need? What they really need is sales coaching and leadership development, maybe in a different unsalesy way mm-hmm. back to our unagency. Yes. So we have been working with some experts in sales to piece together a new curriculum. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a six-month program, and we're infusing sales techniques with marketing techniques, what we know so well. Right. And it really speaks back to what has worked to make Crux so successful. Why getting those awards and getting PR is so important. Why building your personal brand as yes. a salesperson. Oh, that's a whole nother topic we is could talk so about. important. Yeah. Yes. Why the art of networking? Mm-hmm. I teach classes at Rockhurst on the art of networking. Why that is so important. So we're infusing sales EQ and just playbook, sales playbook and KPI development with all of these marketing concepts that we know work. And then we're, we're building it around the data and analytics behind it and doing some one-on-one coaching. So we're actually just getting ready to launch that next month. Pretty excited about it. I find it to be a fascinating concept because you're not only helping those businesses grow and be more successful, but you're developing a client base that's sustainable. And I just think that's brilliant. We talked about Go Red for Women, mm-hmm. that luncheon, but you're involved in a number of mm-hmm. nonprofit organizations. You're a board member on several different boards uh, with nonprofits. And it, what is it that draws you to community service? And I think, importantly, how do business, philanthropy, and volunteerism intersect for you? Well, I have, a, I have a grid system that I hold myself accountable to being the CEO at Crux, where I spend 25% of my time on clients, 25% of my time on new business opportunities, 25% of my time on the people, mm-hmm. and 25% of my time on the community. So I give it equal footing to all the other quadrants of the grid, if you will, because it's so important as CEO to me, to be the face of Crux, to to wear the Crux brand in and about in the community in terms of giving back, in terms of writing those checks to events or, or the board service or volunteering or what have you. We do an annual event that we started four years ago called Crux for a Cause, where we give a year of free marketing services for a deserving nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's become pretty competitive. I we, bet it has. We started out with a beta pilot organization that we hand-select people of all colors succeed. And then we opened it up to the community. We marketed it ourselves. And so the next year was Casey Shepherd Center. Last year was Canby's Markets. And this year is What If Puppets. What If Puppets? Which How was fun. Mesner Puppets. Yeah, exactly. Yes, rebranded. So it's hard to say no to a puppet named Zora that comes into your <laughs> office and pitches. So we're really hoping that we can add more of those deserving organizations to our roster every year. Maybe we start with a couple next year. Who knows how that will grow and evolve. But it's important to me that the team sees that that community service and giving back to the community that has helped us to be so successful is also important to them, right? So I'm trying to lead by example here and showing them as well through my board service that you have to, you have to cut out 
you know, part of your time throughout the week, throughout the month to give back. It's a great way for them to build their brands yes. in the business community as well. And it's a it's a great way to just feel good about giving back. So you've seen Kansas City from all different angles. You've seen it, you know, from the chamber side. You've seen it uh, from a small business side in many different ways, nonprofit side. Where do you think Kansas City has the greatest opportunity right now? Oh, Kansas City is on fire right now, my friend. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is just amazing to see the momentum, the pride from the Super Bowl champs to the parade to this new airport that we're all gaga over. The NFL draft, the World Cup, Mm -hmm. um, we have actually signed on some new clients that are part of telling that new narrative for Kansas City. What is our brand? You know, I think that Kansas City is has always been known as Kansas City Nice. Yes. And Kansas City Humble. Yes. Well, enough of that. We mm-hmm. need to be Kansas City Bold. We need right. to be proud. We need to be loud about it. Not in a braggadocious way, because that's not Kansas City. No. Right? But we have so much going on here. I tell people from outside of our region all the time, okay, there are things happening in Kansas City. We have a lot going on. It's kind of like hearkening back to the red Ferrari. We're really taking off right now, and I'm excited about it as a business leader from a talent and recruitment standpoint, right? How are we attracting more talent to Kansas City? Like attracts like when you have all these wonderful things going on people want to you know it's like the bright light yes uh, they they want they're attracted to it and following they come be a part yeah. of it yeah it's that momentum that's building and now is the time that i think we really reinvent who we are and what we stand for in Kansas City and we really take a fresh look at what is Kansas City's brand narrative right I feel like we've got to take a a fresh look at that because there is going to be a spotlight, a global spotlight shown on our city in 2026 Mm -hmm. with that World Cup. And so I want to do my part just to make sure that we're ready. Well, Malia, we're happy that we have business and civic leaders like you who are working on behalf of the city and making it all that it can be. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kelly. This is Joe Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to Malia McRae for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Malia continues to build a successful business and respected brand, in part by giving back to the community. She contributes her own time and treasure to local organizations, and she also has built charitable giving and volunteerism into the Crux KC business model by encouraging Crux associates to be change agents themselves and by building a platform that elevates entrepreneurs' opportunities for success. In that regard, she mirrors the philosophy of the late Country Club Bank chairman, Byron Thompson, who believed a bank could not only support the business needs of the community, but also work to better the community itself. It's a principle that continues to guide Country Club Bank into the future. Thanks for tuning in today. We're banking on you, Kansas City. Country Club Bank, member FDIC.